thank you so much that we can gather here in this place. You know, I thank you for uh, the young people that were here from uh, France, just touring around and that they stayed for the opening set. And I pray, Lord God, that they will have received a blessing as they, uh, as they tour about. And I thank you, Father, for all the good things that you're doing for us, in us, and through us. Uh, and we commit ourselves to you, Father. We commit ourselves to you as a church. And Lord, you know the, the needs that we have as your people. Uh, and I pray, Father, you'd give us wisdom and guidance uh, to conduct ourselves in a way that brings you honor and glory. Uh, Lord, we continue to pray for uh, a release of finances and a restoration of things that we might have lost uh, or that has been delayed. Uh, and we pray for that outpouring in the power of your Holy Spirit. And we also continue to pray for revival, Father. Uh, I say, Father, we, we welcome your revival. We welcome the coming of your Holy Spirit, even if he comes in the way that we sang about in that song, uh, as the ocean, as the mighty wind, as the consuming fire, we welcome you here in this place. We welcome you here in City Temple. We welcome you here because we know that without that outpouring of your Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. We know that apart from you, Jesus, we can do nothing. And so we pray that you'd help us to be connected with you, help us to walk with you faithfully and fully in the power of your Holy Spirit. And let us see mighty things happen, Lord, uh, to your glory and praise. We worship you and we honor you. And we thank you for the tokens that you have given us uh, even this past week. And we honor you and praise you for all of that. So, Father, you are a good God, and we thank you and praise you, and we bless you. And I pray, Father, now that you, your Holy Spirit would rest on me so I can preach your word to your people today, boldly and faithfully, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Just a couple things before I read the scripture. Uh, by one by way of testimony, uh, and one by way of thank you and thanksgiving. We'll start with that. Uh, Pali and uh, Kati, uh, Nemish Pali and Kati, uh, in Hungary they start with the surname first. Uh, they send their greetings, as does uh, all of our friends at uh, the uh, church in Szekesfehervar in Hungary, where we were uh, Friday night and yesterday. Uh, they asked me to do teaching on the end times, and so I've been doing that, that teaching. I started in uh, April and did uh, two days this week, and then we'll go probably one more time to teach on the end times. And they just wanted me to pass on their greetings and their thanksgiving that you allow us to come and do that kind of ministry. Uh, then by way of uh, a, a thanksgiving testimony, you know we've been praying for things to be restored to us, and uh, we've just uh, purchased a new photocopier. Our lease was up on the old one, uh, but through some confusion, uh, the company that held the lease uh, took another lease payment uh, at the end, which was about 775 pounds. So it was a good chunk of money. Uh, and it's because they said that we didn't cancel the, the contract in time as we were supposed to. And so you can imagine we were rather distraught and everything about that. Uh, and we did some research into it a bit, and I wrote them another letter with some more information. And anyway, we found out this week that they have agreed that they're going to return the full payment 
uh, from that last lease payment. So that 775 pounds is coming back to us and we give God thanks, yeah, amen. Because that is precisely the kind of thing that we're praying about and we need to keep praying about because there, there are several, you know, including the Morley House people next door, Goldman Sachs behind, because of their conduct, things that they've done, uh, it's really hurt us financially. And so we're asking the Lord to restore all that has been taken in that way from us. Uh, not always through dishonesty or anything like that, uh, but uh, we want God to restore all of that. And he's starting to do that. So let's keep praying. Let's press in, uh, particularly with regard to the folks next door, and keep praying for our lift. I, I think uh, some people are coming or may have come this week. Did they come this week or are they coming next week? I'm looking at, they came this week, this past week. And so we're hoping that things are going to be progressing on that and we'll be able to take the lift to the top instead of walking to the top. Isn't that great? Okay. Anyway, so the text. First uh, Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense." They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Back in June, I was uh, doing some ministry in, on a Saturday uh, in a friend's church down on the Isle of Wight. My friend's named Brian. And I was there doing some stuff with freedom in Christ. And, and as I often do, uh, entering into this time, I, uh, I got before the people. And I've known Brian for gosh, 18 years, uh, probably met him before we actually uh, were called here to City Temple. 
And, uh, and I, I followed him, and I know that he's a man of integrity, a man of honor who has really faithfully served the Lord uh, for quite a number of years in this church. And so I just made some comments about uh, the, the privilege that I had of knowing him, of uh, how I admire him and respect him, and uh, just made some, some normal comments. I wouldn't even think anything of it. And we went through uh, the time, and, and we were closing up after the, the day of, of ministry, and my friend Brian came up to me and said, Rod, thank you for honoring me before my people. And apparently, it had really made a connection with him. And for me, I wasn't really thinking about it. It is just the natural thing that I like to do when I'm with people or when I go to some place or when I know somebody is to speak out their good characteristics, to speak out their faithfulness before the Lord, to speak out the things that I have seen and the things that I hold on to. And yet that thing that comes naturally to me, I, I've discovered that it's not natural for a lot of people and it's not natural for the church, for many people, even in the body of Christ, yet I believe that it is absolutely essential for us in the body of Christ to make it natural, to make it second nature to us to do these kinds of things. Not only is it just something that's good to do, but also I believe that it is essential if we want to have victory over shame in our lives and in our midst. Now, that's what we've been talking about for the last month and a half or so. We've been talking about this issue of shame, this sense that there's something not quite right about us, that, that maybe I've been, just been exposed as not being enough, as uh, uh, this painful sense that, that I'm insufficient, that I'm inadequate, that I'm ugly, that I'm broken, that something is wrong with me, that sometimes comes because of stuff that we do ourselves, and other times it comes because of things that people do to us through no fault of our own. And this shame is one of the most powerful forces in our lives as human beings, and it crosses cultures. It doesn't matter what continent you're on, except possibly Antarctica, I guess, and it doesn't matter what people group you're a part of, the issue of shame is very, very powerful. And many people in our world use shame to control people. Many people in our world use shame to dominate or manipulate. Many people use shame as a weapon to deflect their own shame. And sadly, tragically, many times this even happens in the body of Christ, even in Christians. Yet we need, as Christians, to take a stand against shame because, as we've seen these last number of weeks, Jesus Christ dealt with shame in the cross. We often think of the cross primarily as something that deals with our guilt. And it certainly does deal with our guilt. We think of it as something that deals with our fear. And it certainly does deal with our fear. But most fundamentally, the cross of Christ deals with our shame as human beings. In fact, I believe that there is absolutely no way that we can overcome shame apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. 
And that's what we've been talking about. And if you missed any of the sermons the last few weeks, I encourage you to go online and download those sermons because they're absolutely essential if we are to understand shame and if we are to become a community of people, and that's our goal, that's God's goal for us, a community of the cross, a community of people who not only refuse shame, but also learn to overcome shame and help one another have victory over shame in our lives. And one of the most exciting things, I think, for me is that we don't just deal with shame passively. It's not just that Jesus died on the cross for us and we receive that gift of forgiveness and cleansing by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, although that's certainly the case. But also, God is calling us to be active in fighting shame. And one of the most powerful weapons that God has given us, and it's a weapon in our arsenal as the body of Christ, one of the most powerful weapons that we have is honor. Is honor. And so this week and next week and, and the, for the next three weeks, we are going to focus on this issue of honor because I, I hope that everybody here at City Temple and everybody listening to this sermon series, and I know that there are people who are listening to this series around the world right now, that everybody who hears this sermon series will learn how to wield honor as a weapon to destroy shame. Because that is exactly what we need to do, and that is exactly what every single one of us can learn how to do. We can learn how to wield honor in order to release people from the power of shame in their lives. And I hope that we will do that because we need to battle shame, we need to confront shame. I personally am tired of shame having dominion in people's lives. And I think it is time for us to learn to be shame-resistant, shame-overcoming people of God. And so I hope that you're with me on that. So we want to learn how to use this honor and wield this honor, not only individually, but also corporately. Because as we will see, honor is not just an individual issue. Honor is always a community dynamic. It's not enough for us to be individuals of honor. We must become a community of honor. And I think very few communities of faith in the world have really learned what honor is about and how to become a community of honor. So let's go on this journey. Now God has given us, uh, God has given people honor as a gift to overcome shame. Now what is honor? Honor is to recognize, respect, and affirm the worth or value of a person in the context of community. Honor is to recognize, respect, and affirm the worth or value of a person in the context of community. Honor does not exist outside of community. It requires community. It's one of the reasons why if you want to get over shame in your own life, you have to be part of a body of Christ. You have to be part of the church. You cannot overcome shame alone. You always have to have a community. You always have to have a community. 
One of the things that most people don't recognize, though, about honor, I mean, most people would agree with that definition. Uh, some cultures are cultures that value honor, uh, and most would agree with that definition. But what most people don't realize is that all genuine honor originates in God. All genuine honor originates in God, in relationship with God and reflecting God's ways in the world, and this God is the one who is worthy and the only one worthy of all of our honor. In other words, if you want to know what honor is, you got to know God, because true honor doesn't exist outside of God. What we tend to do, and what many cultures tend to do, is they tend to value things that God doesn't value and make those a source of honor. So at one point in time, the source of honor was if somebody offended you, what you needed to do is go and kill them. But that's not genuine honor according to God. You're not defending your honor according to God. Defending your honor according to God is what Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And so that's why we have to know God and know that all genuine honor originates in God in relationship with God, and is determined by God's ways, God's will, God's definition of righteousness in this world around us. All honor that does not originate in God and is not anchored in the ways of God and the character of God is no more than simulated honor. It is not genuine honor, and on the day of judgment, all of that honor will completely dissipate. There is no honor outside of God. There's no honor outside of God's ways, no matter how much your culture tells you. No matter how much your family tells you, there is no honor outside of God. The God of the Bible. The God that we worship. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit. There is no honor that exists outside of God. And if we don't realize this, we will always have a weakened form of honor that fails to overcome shame. We will always have no more than a simulated honor that is almost powerless when it comes to real shame. The other thing about honor, because of this, that we have to understand as God's people is that God gives special honor to us as Christians so that we might wield that honor in defeat of shame. God has given us a special honor. That's what Peter says. The honor is to us who believe. That honor, the honor of being Christians, is something that we've received from God. It is special, it is priceless, and we can wield this honor as a weapon to destroy shame. And that's God's call upon us. So God has given us honor as a gift to overcome shame. And God, as he gives honor, it comes in two ways or two dimensions, if you will. There is what we call intrinsic honor, and there's what's called extrinsic honor. Intrinsic honor or extra, extrinsic honor. Some people call this ascribed honor uh, and uh, acquired honor. Ascribed honor and acquired honor, but I like intrinsic and extrinsic, if nothing more than it teaches you a couple of big words. And so you improve your vocabulary if you, if you get that. So what is intrinsic honor? Intrinsic honor is honor 
that is inherent in us as human beings. It's inherent in us as human beings. That's intrinsic honor. And all people have intrinsic honor. Every single human being that lives on the face of the earth has intrinsic honor. And that honor comes because first, they are created in the image of God. We saw this weeks ago. We have honor because every single one of us has been created in the image of God. And there's no culture, there's no skin color, there's no continent or hemisphere that was created more in the image of God than any other. So every human being has intrinsic honor because of that. And secondly, every single human being has intrinsic honor because Jesus Christ died for them. Whether or not they receive it, whether or not they respond to it, Jesus Christ died on the cross and his crucifixion has paid the price. It's too bad that so many people don't receive it, but his death on the cross paid the price for us and that gives every human being a special value. That was really challenged for us last night as we were coming home on the tube. Uh, I was thinking about this and I was praying about this and just thinking about honor people. And, you know, I'm looking down the tube and I'm seeing all these people. I'm thinking, okay, all of these people are people for whom Christ died, you know? And, I, and then I'm starting to feel a little self-satisfied here. Yeah, okay, God, I'm really loving these people. I'm really honoring these people. And at that moment in time, the train stopped, the doors opened, and in walked these three people who are drunk, who are dressed for a fancy dress party, Two of them are dressed as nuns, one woman and one man. The third is dressed as a priest with kind of blood, you know, they, they're kind of pretending to be vampires. And they are loud and they are obnoxious. You know, God will do that to you when you start to feel a little self-satisfied. And it's hard. It's hard. And I had to keep saying myself, praying for these people and say, okay, Jesus, I know you died for them. I, I find it hard to believe right now that you went to the cross for these three people, but I know that you did. And I know that you love them and I know that they deserve honor. And everything in me wanted to be rude, but everything in me resisted that to pray for them and to bless them and to try to honor them because every human being has intrinsic honor. But we as Christians... This intrinsic honor is multiplied in us. We as Christians, we have a greater honor. And I'm not saying that out of arrogance because it's completely from God by His grace through faith. But we have honor because we are in union with Christ Jesus. Do you know what an honor that is? It's a bit like when I got married. You know, I thought, wow, what an honor my wife is doing by letting me marry her. It was a tremendous honor. And I knew that I was special. I knew that I was important because of that marriage. And in the same way, when you become a Christian, Jesus Christ unites himself with you. Christ is in us and we are in Christ. We are in union with Christ Jesus, and because of that union with Christ Jesus, we are justified, we are sanctified, we are adopted, 
we will be glorified, uh, we will be preserved. All of the benefits of salvation come to us because we are in union with Christ Jesus. And that union with Christ Jesus indeed makes us honorable in the presence of God. And that honor is an honor that every single believer in Christ Jesus has by virtue of the fact that you're a believer in Christ Jesus. Now, what most of the time, what do we do? We say, oh man, I, I'm such a failure. I can't do anything. I can't pray enough. Oh gosh, I looked at what I shouldn't have looked at again. I can't believe that I did that. I can't believe that I sinned in this way. I can't believe that I messed up in this way. And we're pushing ourselves down and pushing ourselves down. But the truth is, we are people of honor and great honor and your sin does not change your honor. Now we'll see in terms of extrinsic honor, there is an issue there. But in terms of your intrinsic honor, the fact that you've sinned, the fact that you're not perfect, the fact that you're still growing, it doesn't change the fact that you're in union with Christ Jesus and you carry an honor because you're in union with Christ Jesus. And furthermore, because we are in union with Christ Jesus and with one another, and that's honor here is shared together. You see this? It's shared together because we're in union with Christ Jesus. We're in union also with one another as the body of Christ and as the bride of Christ. We together are the bride of, body of Christ. We together are the bride of Christ. That means we represent Jesus to the world. What a greater honor can you have than to be God's personal representative to the world. You go to work tomorrow, you go to work as God's personal representative. You go home tomorrow, you're going home as God's personal representative. You're on the bus tomorrow, you're on the bus as God's personal representative. You go to university, you are God's personal representative at university. And not only you individually, but you all corporately, we are God's personal representative. That is an honor that we have that is intrinsic to us. It's inherent in us because we are followers of Jesus. And that's what Peter is saying here. That is what Peter is saying here. We have this intrinsic honor. He goes on and he says this, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy, and that mercy overcomes our shame. That mercy pushes the shame aside and says, that shame cannot reside in you. My mercy resides in you and my honor resides in you. That's intrinsic to us. That's the first kind. God also gives honor in, in, in a way we call extrinsic honor or acquired honor. Now what is extrinsic honor? Extrinsic is honor that comes, if you will, from the outside. It's not honor that is inherent in us but it is honor that we receive. And we receive honor in a number of ways. It's the honor we receive because we are excellent in character. 
when I was praising my friend Brian in front of his congregation, I was commenting on the excellence of his character. And he deserved honor because he demonstrated excellent character. And so we have an intrinsic honor, but as we demonstrate excellence in our character, we grow in our honor. And the more you grow in your honor, by the way, the more you can use honor to help remove shame from other people. It's not just a personal thing. Extrinsic honor is also the honor that you receive because of your conduct. If you do excellently, you will give honor. The church uh, over the weekend, they, they honored me because they perceived that my teaching was excellent. Now, I'm not going to boast that my teaching is excellent. That was their perception, and I'll receive that perception. And I received the blessing of that, and they were able to honor me. And I grew in honor because of my excellent conduct, something that I was doing that was excellent. We also grow in honor, this extrinsic honor, because we fulfill our responsibilities in the community with excellence. I've said many times, I'm very proud of of Fadi and uh, Olashina, our two currently serving elders, and how they do their roles excellently in the context of community. And because they do their roles excellently, I can praise them and honor them before other people. Now this honor goes beyond just who they are in Christ. They'd always have that honor, but they're growing in honor because of how they are fulfilling their responsibilities in terms of the community. And it's community, I mean, in this case, it's the church community, but it can also be your family community. It can also be the government. It can also be the marketplace. And I found that when I was in the the business world that if I fulfilled my responsibilities with excellence, I increased in honor. And I started out in a cinema and I started out as an usher. And then eventually I was made a manager, an assistant manager, because I fulfilled my responsibilities with excellence. That increased my honor and then allowed me to use that honor to bless others and to help others. We also can have honor because of who you represent to the community. Right now, I have honor in this church because as the minister of the church, the senior minister, the pastor of the church, I represent God's leadership. Now, that doesn't mean I'm like God and I, that I don't make mistakes. I make tons of mistakes. But there's a dynamic for, for what I do in the community and who I am in the context of this community that you give me honor. You don't have to, especially when I mess up, but you choose to do so, and that's right for us to do. That's the same honor that a father might have in a family or a mother might have in a family. It's the family for what you are representing and what you're doing. And also, and I think probably in some respects most importantly, there is the extrinsic honor that we receive when we willingly bear the shame of other people, shame either that they do not deserve and shame that we do not deserve in the manner of Jesus. Why did Jesus receive the highest honor? He received the highest honor because he humbled himself and became obedient unto death on the cross. And in the cross of Christ, he paid for all of our shame. He willingly bore our shame even though he did not deserve it. 
He did not earn it, but he willingly bore it. I had a friend one time who had uh, uh, an associate who left under very difficult circumstances, and a lot of people didn't know what happened. Uh, A lot of people didn't know all the, the circumstances behind, but the way that my friend's associate left made my, my friend look bad, not the associate. And a lot of people were asking, okay, what did my friend do that was wrong that caused this associate to leave? It was interesting that nobody at first even assumed that the associate had done behaved badly. They assumed that the friend had behaved badly. But the friend chose not to speak about the associate. The friend bore the shame caused by the associate without retaliation, without vengeance. He bore the shame, and consequently, he received a greater honor. That is extrinsic honor. So intrinsic honor is the honor that every human being has because they're created in the image of God and Jesus died for them. It's the honor that every Christian has because we have been united with Jesus Christ. We have been made part of the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. But there's an extrinsic honor that we can receive and that we can grow in as we demonstrate excellent character, as we demonstrate excellent conduct, as we fulfill our responsibilities, as we represent God faithfully to people, and as we bear the shame of other people, as Jesus bore our shame on the cross, we grow in that honor. And that honor increases. And when the honor increases, it's never so that you can say, hey, I've got more honor. I'm feeling really good about myself. Understand, God gives greater honor, and we grow in honor so we can use that honor to overcome shame. And if we don't use the honor to overcome shame, eventually we will contaminate the honor and we'll lose it. It really is a case of use it or lose it when it comes to the honor that we receive from God, both intrinsic and extrinsic honor, we have to do something with it. Because God, the third point, God has given his people honor so that we might give honor in a way that defeats the power of shame in the lives of people. God has given us honor so that we might show honor so that we might overcome shame. And notice the command here through Peter. Peter says, honor everyone. There is no one in the world that we are not called to honor. There is no one in the world, Christian or otherwise, that we are not called to honor in order to defeat shame. We are called to honor so that we can defeat shame. Honor everyone. Honor everyone. God has given his people honor so that we might give honor. This honor that God has given us, we have to understand, the honor we receive overcomes our shame. The honor we receive from God intrinsically and extrinsically overcomes our shame. You know, when you sin, God is not, I mean, sin is a serious issue. I don't want to make sin seem like a, a, you know, not important. Sin is absolutely important. We have to take sin very, very seriously, and God takes sin very, very seriously, because Jesus died for it. 
If God didn't take it so seriously, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. So I'm not undermining sin. But you know what? God doesn't look at you and say, oh yeah, I remember these sins that you committed. And so I'm going to withhold some of the honor because of all this sin. God doesn't do that because he knows that withholding honor is not the key to overcoming shame and overcoming sin. Actually receiving honor and knowing the honor that you carry as a human being is absolutely essential to overcome sin. When I understand the honor that I carry, both intrinsically and extrinsically, do you know what? I don't want to mess it up. One of the reasons why I would not have spoken to those people on the train last night, not because I was afraid of them, I was really annoyed by them. I was annoyed in my spirit because there was something that definitely not healthy going on there. But you know what? I knew that if I spoke inappropriately toward them, one, it wouldn't make any difference to them. They would just laugh at it. But two, I'd be diminishing my honor. And I don't want to diminish my honor. You know, one of the things that keeps me from sin in my life is not that I'm a really good person and, and I never think about sinning. I think about sinning just like everybody does. But you know, one of the things that keeps me from sinning is that I don't want to diminish the honor that God has given me to serve his people. And so that helps me to resist sin. That helps me to resist sin. I don't want to sin because I don't want to see the look on one of your faces realizing the sin that I've committed and seeing that in myself and knowing that my honor is diminished. And that's the key. That is the key. The honor that God gives us overcomes shame. I mean, think of this. In union with Christ, you are a son of God. You're God's son. That means you represent God. You're part of his family. In union with Christ, you are a saint. You're a holy one. You know, you don't have to die and do a few miracles before that to be canonized as a saint. As soon as you become a Christian, you're a saint. You are justified. You're sanctified. You're, pre you're preserved. You know, the book of Hebrews tells us that because of the sanctification that we've received, through Jesus Christ, Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother. And yes, ladies, you're his brother because we're all sons, right? Jesus is not ashamed. When you're out there tomorrow in the workplace, Jesus say, yeah, that's my brother. That's my kid brother. I'm proud of my kid brother. Jesus is not ashamed. The honor that we receive overcomes our shame and enables us to live above the shame that keeps coming. The honor then that we live protects us from shame. It keeps us from shame. So if you seek to live honorably, if you seek tomorrow to demonstrate excellence in your character, your conduct, fulfilling your responsibilities in the community uh, because you represent God to the people that you're going to meet and, and you willingly bear the shame of other people that they try to throw on you or, or because of their own shame. If you do all of that, that will protect you from the experience of shame in your own life. 
It will protect you from other people being able to control you by making you feel ashamed. And let me tell you, there are a lot of people that are out here around us as second nature today, people are controlling other people by manipulating shame. It is one of the primary weapons that Satan is using in the world today to dominate, control, manipulate, and push people away from God, away from God's destiny, to cause people to fall away from community, to get caught up in loneliness, to be self-harming, to feel isolated. One of the primary weapons that Satan is using to do that is shame. And he's manipulating shame. Just start listening this week. Pay attention to when shame starts rising up in your life and you will see how it is seeking to debilitate you and incapacitate you and isolate you and we need to stop allowing it to do that. And we can, as we embrace the intrinsic honor that we have and seek to to promote extrinsic honor in the way that we live, as you do that, it will overcome shame. It will protect you and keep you from shame, and nobody will be able to manipulate you. No person will be able to manipulate you if you are living honorably, again, according to God and His ways and His word. Because remember, all genuine honor has God as a referent. All genuine honor originates in God. If it doesn't originate in God, no matter how much people tell you it's honorable, it's not honorable. So the honor that we live and we grow in protects us, keeps us from shame. And we seek this extrinsic honor. And here's the really good news about this. You don't do it in your own strength. God has given you his grace already. So that means you mess up. Say, God, I'm sorry, I've messed up. You're forgiven. There's no need to be ashamed. It's all the grace of God. And God empowers you with his Holy Spirit. And God's Spirit gives you power in the workplace every bit as much as he gives you power in the church. So the honor that you live protects you from shame. And then the honor that we give will heal people from shame. And that's the call. We are called to receive honor from God. We are called to live out honorably that honor that we have from God and grow in that honor so that we can give honor to other people. And this is the amazing thing. When you give honor it does not diminish the honor that you have. You can give away all the honor that you want and it will not diminish your honor one iota. In fact, if you learn how to give honor and you keep giving honor and you keep giving honor, you'll find your honor increasing. Because giving honor is one of the ways that we live honor. We live honorably by giving honor to other people. So we make it our determination to give honor, to give honor to the people in the workplace, to give honor to our bosses, to give honor to one another. 
to give honor and keep on giving honor and keep on giving honor because you can give all the honor that God gives you. And that's why you grow in honor because the more honor you carry, the more powerful it is when you give honor. The more honor you carry, the more powerful it is when you give honor. And so when people recognize the honor that's in your life and then you start giving them honor, the honor that you give them increases exponentially because of the honor that you carry. I've seen this so many times. As I'm going places around the world and I'm speaking honor into people's lives. And I'm giving honor to people, honor to church leaders. And not only honor to church leaders, honor to everybody. I, I want to be, I give honor indiscriminately. I'm always looking for ways to honor. I'm always looking for ways to honor. And I want to give it indiscriminately. I want to find something. Even the least honorable people, there's something to honor. And so I want to give it. And I want to acknowledge it. And I want to give it because I know as I give it, there's power in it. And I, as I grow in honor, there's more power. And all I have to do is speak honor and it breaks the power of shame in people's lives. And that's God's calling, not just for me. It's a calling of God for every single one of us to give honor and give honor and give honor so that this honor that we give breaks the power of shame. And we can do this every single day with everyone we meet in every kind of situation. And as we give honor, the honor that we give begins to heal people from shame. A couple of weeks ago, we had an elders meeting. And I was reflecting uh, on um, uh, a survey that I was asked to complete about City Temple. And uh, it was part of something with HarvestNet. And uh, we're, we're recording, you know, things like conversions and baptisms and things like that. And, and, and I realized I hadn't done it. And when I looked deeply, you know the reason why I hadn't done it is because I felt ashamed. I'm not ashamed of any of you. And I'm not ashamed of what we've done here. But I started thinking about other churches, you know, that... Uh, Ephrata Community Church is, is growing mightily. They, they've got a, getting a brand new building. They had to expand their car park. They have several thousand now, three, 4,000 people. I don't know how many people are going there. I don't think they know how many people are going there. Uh, you know, and you, you see this, and I know another ministry that's part of uh, HarvestNet that they've planted probably more than 1,000 churches last year in various places around the world. It's a real church planting uh, ministry and and I'm thinking of all these things and I'm saying you know wow we've had fabulous people you know a couple of very beautiful people I love very deeply have come to faith in Christ this year but you know we haven't done any baptisms this year and uh, and yeah we've we've grown in terms of members and things like that but you know our our group here compared to three or four thousand you know and I, I just realized you know what I, what am I feeling you you guys know you men know what I'm feeling right the ladies, you know, they're, you're, all the women are looking at me like, huh? All the men are like, yeah, I know this. Yeah, I've been dealing with this. It's, it's what happens when you get together with one of your friends. And they say, well, how much are you making now? And well, I'm making my eight, uh, 20. How much do you say you're making? Yeah, well, I'm making about 75, 100,000 these days. Oh, yeah, that's nice. 
You know, it's that kind of thing. And so I was feeling this way, and I'm feeling this shame just kind of rising up. And, uh, and Fadi and Olashina, they looked at me and they said, you know, Rod, I think you need to remember it all depends on what you're measuring. And there's certain things that you cannot measure, such as faithfulness. And they began to list a whole host of things that we major on as a church. And one thing after another after another. And in that moment, and it wasn't a long interchange, maybe three, four, or five minutes at the tops. In that interchange, as they spoke, it broke the shame. Just speaking to me, just pointing out the truth, and just giving me honor broke the power of shame. And I walked out of that meeting, and to this day, I feel no shame. That is what we are called to do for each other. That is what we're called to do with people every day. And friends, as we give honor, because we have received honor because of who we are in Christ Jesus, as we give that honor, honor, that God's honor to other people, we will see shame broken, not only in our lives, but in people who don't even know Jesus yet. And as we see the power of shame broken, even in people who don't know Jesus, they will come to know Jesus. They will want to know Jesus. They will know that there's something about Jesus because everyone wants to be free from shame. And Jesus is the only answer, and honor is the weapon that Jesus has given us to overcome shame. Father God, thank you so much that you have given us this great and mighty weapon of honor. Help us learn how to wield it. Help us learn how to use it effectively. Help us first, Lord, to understand the honor that we have the honor that we have received from you. And then by your grace, Father, help us to live honorably every single day so that we might grow in honor, that we might increase in honor. And then show us every day how we might give honor to break the power of shame that brings glory and honor to Jesus. We love you, we worship you, we exalt you, we thank you. And we pray, Father God, that we would become a church that destroys shame. That we will become a church where shame becomes a distant memory. Where no person will bow under the wounding of shame, but where all of us might live in freedom, freedom from shame that you have won for us in Christ Jesus. We love you, we praise you, we worship you and adore you. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' name, amen.